Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Inspired Incompetence, and this is episode two of our Tyrant's Grass playthrough. So what we're going to do now, I've got everybody here. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hello. Uh, so with episode two, what we're going to do real quick is give you, the listener, a rundown of everybody's descriptions of everybody's characters. Uh, so who wants to go first? Father Crow will. All right. Father Ethelbert Crow is a male Asimar. He's a wandering priest, and he is being played by Tom Hanks from the Burbs era. Okay, very nice. Anything uh, standoutish about his appearance? Uh, he dresses in uh, brownish robes, pretty unassuming, though he does sport leather armor. Oh, and those silvery eyes, too. All right, very good. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. Uh, Rogyar is a male dwarf. Uh, he is being played by uh, John Michael Higgins. And if you don't recognize that name, just do a quick Google search for him. You're going to know him. He's a guy who's been in everything. He He's that guy that shows up on screen and is like, I know that guy from that thing. Yep. That's exactly who he is. Yeah. Any Anytime somebody needs to play an inappropriate uncle looking guy, <laughs> that's John Michael. Oh, yeah. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> See my point? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a male dwarf played by John Michael Higgins. He has a dwarven beard, but it's not as long as you would think it is for a dwarf of his age. He's 120. So, I mean, he's not an old dwarf, but he's not young either. He's got two kids. So, yeah, but his, his, his beard is actually fairly short for a dwarven beard, but it is in, like, two braids and, like, kind of right in the middle on his chin, there is a scar that creates kind of a bald patch that he's actually rather sensitive about. But yeah, that's uh, that's Rogar's look. Very huh. cool. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. Um, so Uchard Bebenbur uh, is a human male. He's a guardsman with Rostler Coffer, so he's wearing your standard kind of black-gray guards uniform and he has his winter fur kind of like not a coat but just that kind of drapes over his shoulders and for his looks uh, for anybody that's seen the show the last kingdom he looks like the main character Uhtred which also my Uhtred is a little shout out to that awesome show and he looks like um, the actor Alexander Drayman from like season three on okay cool Who's next? Uh, I'll go. Vipere Draco is Margot Robbie, who plays Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey. Uh, she has blue hair, though, uh, long blue hair uh, that comes in a single braid. And she has one dark brown eye and one really deep sea blue eye. She comes off as a female human. But she does have claws, so. Interesting. Okay, uh, and then we've got Thalias. Yeah, so uh, Thalias Baker is a male human oath-bound paladin looking like uh, Matthew McConaughey from Sahara. Uh, a little shorter, though. Definitely handsome and definitely bound by his oaths. And um, yeah, he's cool and that that's it. Definitely handsome, definitely beautiful. Yeah, he's a gorgeous man. Okay, so that is 
our cast and their descriptions. And I hope you enjoyed episode one. And I hope you enjoy episode two of Inspired Incompetence, Bros Lars Tomb. Welcome back to the Inspired Incompetence podcast, brought to you by Unscrupulos, the cereal with no nutrition facts. I'm your GM, Alex. How's everybody doing? Uh, Pretty good. How are you? Unscrupulous. Haha. <laughs> yep. 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 Here we are in episode two of our Tyrant's Grasp playthrough. We had a very fun time last week. Uh, how's everybody feeling? Let me rephrase that. Anybody's characters have any uh, thoughts or feelings that they'd like to share with the group? Uh, how's your character feel about what's going on right now? What's going through their head? They have any hopes or fears about their situation? Uh, well, I can say right now, Rogiar is very much concerned about the theories that Uhtred has been throwing out there about us being on a different plane of existence. Because the last thing he remembers is, you know, he was drinking in a bar with Uhtred and then, you know, he was getting ready to go back to his, to the tavern room to, to see how his son was doing and he woke up in a coffin. So yeah, uh, Rogiar's got a lot of stuff going through his head. That's fair. So, on Vipira's end, she's not too happy. Specifically speaking, like, with Uhtred and Ragyar, she's not too pleased because she saw you two last night at the tavern, and that's, like, the last thing she remembers. So, she definitely thinks that something's up with you two. Anybody else have any uh, thoughts from their characters that they'd like to share? Yeah, this is Elias. I uh, I got some thoughts to share. So I'm a gravekeeper, and I uh, wake up in a you know like a tomb. That seems like uh, kind of not par for the course, but not that unregular. But now that I'm in this catacomb, I'm increasingly feeling uh, like you know shit ain't right, and I need to get out of here. However, my life has been just tending to a graveyard for the past while, so it's kind of exciting to be on a little adventure. It's like a bit of excitement, hopefully not too much excitement, is where I'm at. All right. Now, uh, a fair number of you might be able to piece this together, but especially Thalias, since you tend the the cemetery at Roslar's Coffer. Now, Roslar's Coffer is named after Roslar, the war hero from almost a thousand years ago. The town is actually built around Roslar's tomb, which is in the cemetery to the south of the town. Like, that's why the town, like, was built in the first place, because Roslar had this giant tomb built uh, for when he uh, died to be interred in. Nobody, not even Thalias, nobody's ever been inside of Roslar's tomb. You know that it's it's a fairly large crypt, but, yeah, like, you, you wouldn't begin to know how, like, it, it, it surely goes, like, underground a fair bit. Uh, but like you know how how immense it is, you, you're not really sure. Uh, you've you've now seen uh, carvings of Irvin Roslar. Like the room that you guys are currently in is filled with carvings of this guy slaying undead, uh, just recording his valorous deeds through his career in the Shining Crusade. Now, are you in Roslar's tomb or are you somewhere else? Maybe Uhtred is right and you guys are in another plane, but somehow that plane is 
reflecting the deeds of Roslar into this structure that you're in. It's not it's not totally clear, but that might be some thoughts that could be percolating in some of your in some of your heads at this point. All right. Well, all answers in good time. But meanwhile, we've got a little flashback to go oh, back to. Flashback. We're in a large room lit only by the presence of dozens of candles lining the walls. Rows of simple benches fill the room, all facing a raised corner. More candles stand in this corner, illuminating several paintings on the walls, each depicting a beautiful, pale-skinned, dark-haired woman wielding a sword with a large, sun-like piece as the pommel. We are in a modest church of Iomedae. Though there is clearly not a mass currently in session, several people can be seen sitting at various benches, sitting in prayer or else quiet reverence. Despite the presence of such people, the room remains eerily quiet. The scene focuses on one man, sitting near the candlelit wall. The soft candlelight shows us a young man, perhaps twenty years old, with dark, tangled hair crawling down his neck. He's wearing formal clothes that perhaps once looked neat and tidy hours before, but are now untucked and disheveled. Though he sits in quiet prayer, the longer we watch, the more anxious he appears. His hands are clasped together in front of him in an overly tight embrace, and his eyes are clamped shut like a child pretending to sleep. Adding in frequent fidgets and murmurs, his prayers seem to border on desperation. A man appears next to the fidgeting supplicant with a quiet grace, as though emerging into the candlelight from the darkness. His red tassels sway benignly against his white robes, and you immediately recognize the bright silver eyes of Father Ethelbert Crow. Father Crow stands before the young man, considering his almost feverish praying with a look of confusion, perhaps even annoyance. Finally, Ethelbert takes a seat next to the young man, who doesn't seem to notice. Aeomide's blessing, my son. Gah! The young man nearly falls off his bench in surprise. Many others sitting nearby jump at his start with looks of irritation. Ethelbert closed his eyes, bracing at the overt reaction. Now he watches the man pick himself up with a look of tempered impatience. Forgive me, father. I didn't see you sit down. The young man shakily takes his seat again. A humored smirk escapes Ethelbert's apathetic stare. Indeed. I don't think you would have noticed if the church caught fire, past your, uh, devout focus. What is your name, my son? The young man flexes his fingers, seeming to only now realize how cramped they no doubt are from the grip of his prayer. Sorry. Odell. Nathaniel Odell. What brings you to Iomide's church so late at night, Nathaniel? Nathaniel's face can be seen flushing a shade of red, even in the dim lighting. He steals a glance at Father Crow, then focuses on his knees. Well, there's this girl. Ah. The first genuine smile appears on Ethelbert's face since approaching young Nathaniel. I should have known. No man goes willingly before the gods without humility, and nothing makes a man more humble than the gaze of a beautiful woman. Nathaniel turns to Father Crow, bracing for some kind of punishment. Why don't you tell me about her? Nathaniel's face drops clearly caught by surprise that he wasn't being chastised for praying for selfish purposes. Oh, uh, well, she's beautiful. I was at Wadham's Jewelers for most of the day today trying to pick out a ring for her. What's her name, son? Uh, I, I, I don't know. 
Ethelbert is visibly taken aback, and Nathaniel, ready to interpret any such reaction as disapproval, turns back to his knees in shame. After a moment, Ethelbert recovers. Well, she must be truly beautiful, Nathaniel. Nathaniel takes a breath of relief, taking his turn to smile for the first time. She is. She came into town with her father yesterday. I think they must have come straight down from Vigil as soon as the roads were safe to travel. I don't know how long they're staying, so I went to get her a ring and... Nathaniel trails off, seeming to just now realize how incomplete his plan is. Father Crow steals a glance at their surroundings, as if looking for eavesdroppers. If you don't mind me saying so, Nathaniel, the Inheritor is a goddess of valor and honor. Admirable qualities, of course, but not, I think, what you seek today. Do you think perhaps you might be better served by seeking guidance from Erastil or Sarenray? Nathaniel grinned sheepishly. I have. I went to Wadham's this morning and couldn't make up my mind on what ring to get, so I went and prayed to Erastil. Then, after lunch, I went to Wadham's but still couldn't decide, so I went and prayed to Sarenray. Then, then, when I still couldn't choose after dinner, I came here. Father, none of the gods have helped me. By the time Nathaniel has finished speaking, his grin has contorted with despair, craning in his seat to find an answer in Father Crow's eyes. But Father Crow has broken their eye contact, leaning forward in his bench, staring ahead at the painting of Iamade above the altar. I understand how you feel, son. The gods don't give us all the answers. Then, what do I do? Ethelbert leans back again with a sigh. Return to Wadham's Jewelers once more. In each ring, I want you to try to see the same beauty you saw in this young woman. Let it grab you. Let it pull you in. Where you might spend years lost in its trappings. Lose yourself in its cruel vanity, and then reject it. What? (laughs) These rings are your doom, Nathaniel. What do you mean? You would ask this woman for her hand, even begin courtship without but a name? Are you so hopeless? Nathaniel looks as if he'd been slapped. Father, I, I I, thought... Nathaniel, son, I wish only happiness and fulfillment of you. But by the light of the sword, you will not find such things in blindness. Go talk to this girl. Find out who she is. Seek out her heart, not just her hand. Nathaniel sits in silence for a minute, breathing deeply, as if recovering from a thrashing. I, I, I will try, father... And without another word, young Nathaniel stands up and silently leaves the church, as Ethelbert watches, like a phantom, leaving this earth. And as the scene ends, we see Father Crow standing among the other PCs, having just imbibed a healing potion, but still wincing from the lingering pain of his acidic burns. I look up with a a grunt to Thalias, holding my arm where I was bit, reflexively, and I, I wince. Maybe you should go first with that mighty shovel. Yes, uh, I'll go first. The paladin. So, uh, to uh, recap, because this is a big room, it's got a lot of exits. It has five exits in total. Uh, there is the one to the northwest, and that is where you guys came from. There's an, an exit to the northeast, and it is carved with the words, At my right hand, peace for years of righteous labors. There's an exit all the way to the east, and uh, the archway above that has the words carved into it, Roslar, hero and paladin, 
at his well-earned rest. There's nothing carved into the exit from to the southwest, but the one to the southeast, uh, there's an archway with the words carved into it, Loyal Abdel, support thy master always. Now, anybody who wants to can give me a knowledge history or knowledge religion check. 14 from Thalias. Uh, 8 from Crow. 21 from Uhtred. 16 from Vipira. Okay. Uhtred and Vipira. So in addition to the the words carved in the archways, I'll remind you that the room itself has several dramatic carvings throughout the walls, and they all illustrate these epic scenes of Roslar charging into battle against undead, wielding a rapier. And in several of these images, you also see the image of a of a beautiful woman with red hair and she always seems to be hanging in the sky above Roslar looking down at him benignly. Utrin, with your knowledge religion check, you recognize the image of Arasni. Vipira, you uh you you might not know the image of Arasni like by itself, but with the context of her carving being Paired with all of these scenes of Roslar, you also are aware of this. You both know that uh, Roslar was uh, enamored with Arasni. He worshipped her as the as a demigoddess, but he also had romantic feelings for her. Was she an actual demigoddess? She was. Uhtred, uh, you got a pretty good knowledge religion check, so I'll add that. You know that she was the uh, the herald of Aridin, uh, who is the the now deceased god whose holy symbol you saw in the in the alcove from the hallway you just came from uh, so arasni was the demigoddess to eridan who was a full a full-blown god you also know that some tragedy befell arasni uh, but you are not 100% sure uh, what happened you just know that arasni's also not really around anymore would she, she lose her powers cuz like her god died uh no for the most part, the a, a herald of a god already has immense powers, and the god, and then they just kind of like team up with the god, and maybe get a you know some extra powers with the deal. But for the most part, Arasni was already very powerful in her own right. You're you're pretty sure that Arasni kind of fell out of the picture at some point before Aridin died. Okay, and the image we that we see of her is more carvings like the first two yeah like you're seeing all these carvings around the room and they're uh you you see this woman with red hair uh looking down benignly at roslar as he charges into battle and so there's like multiple carvings in this room like they're telling a yeah. story you don't really see a story being told through all these images but they are kind of like a uh what's the word kind of like an homage to the the biggest moments in his life type of thing yeah, just kind of like a like a Deeds of Roslar pamphlet. And how many carvings are there? They kind of, for the most, uh, most of them kind of bleed into each other. Uh, but you, you see about five or six, like, images of Roslar, even if, like, the scenes of Undead are kind of like, like I said, bleeding into the one next to it. All right, I know, I just want to preface this. With, I'm not looking for you to describe each of these carvings, but um, these were something that peaked... Uhtred's interest so realizing who she is and the carvings I'm actually going to turn and say look father there seems to be more carvings in here and this time they have Rusla 
and Arasni. Father Crow, uh, you didn't get that grade in your knowledge religion check, but from your own personal experiences in your own personal past, you know by sight Arasni, and you recognize her in these carvings. I'm going to start going over and inspecting the carvings. I'll even motion for uh, Father Crow to follow me. If he wants. I'll, I'll, I'll join along. What is it, What is it, Uhtred? Well, I think there's something we can learn from these carvings. Well, I, you might be right, although a bit confused, but I'll help. And I'll walk over with him. I don't know. Just the first two we found seems so odd, like we were almost connected to it. I can't help but wonder if there is something more to this than just pretty pictures in a hole. I'll tell you, Father, I, I do not have a good feeling about any of this. Where, where we might be? How we got to? What this all could mean? Uh, Vipir yeah. chimes in. Blah, blah, blah. Come on. I just want to get out of here. These are just carvings. Can we please move on? Uh, uh, I'm with the girl. Like, the carvings aren't going anywhere. We could always come back and look at them later once we figure out where to go. I I don't like being underground. I just, I don't like the idea of rushing headlong and not knowing where we are or what we're rushing into. Neither. Just then, Thalias starts (laughs) going into the... (laughs) Speaking of rushing headlong. (laughs) Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Where are you going, Thalias? I've got my shovel, you know, out as if it's some some sort of spear. And uh, I slowly walk through this opening, uh, the one that said uh, Roslar and the Paladin stuff. Right. Okay. Now, uh, you have a lantern in one hand, right? Yeah. Got a lantern in my left hand, like extended, and then, you know, sort of tucked into my side, shovel, sort of. Okay. Ready to jab. Just FYI, your shovel is considered a one-handed weapon. That means that you can swing it and wield it with one hand with no problem, and it'll deal 1d6 plus your strength modifier in damage. Or, if you have two hands free and you're so inclined, you can wield it two-handed, in which case it would deal 1d6 plus strength and a half for damage. Okay. I'm just one-handing it now, but... It's in such a way that it's kind of like, I'm ready to drop the lantern in two-hand fight. Sure. Seeing uh, seeing the gravekeeper go in, hey, wait up. Wait for me. And, uh... Oh, shit. I follow along. <laughs> I don't want to be left out here to die. Okay, so, uh, Thalias enters the easternmost room. The stone walls of this room are carved to resemble hanging draperies framing a large dais. Upon the dais stands a large sarcophagus, its lid carved to resemble a sleeping knight with long hair and a wide mustache. You recognize Roslar. This room carries a faint, nauseating odor, like putrefying meat. (coughs) I picked the wrong room! (coughs) I take a couple steps more in to get a better look, but uh, I don't really want to be in this stank room. Okay. Uh, you yeah. give me a, You're going to get the black lung. Every, everyone uh, who's going into this room can give me a perception check. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going in quite yet. Like, If everyone's going in, I might follow, but yeah, I'm going to hang back with... Uh, with you guys look at your... Uh, yeah, look at your carvings while uh, the real the real men explore. So, perception checks. Uh, Thalias had a six. 
Hopefully that's uh, hopefully that's good. <laughs> uh, Viper got a sixteen. Okay, so you both enter this room and you both smell this like this nauseating odor of putrefying meat and. Uhtred, for you, it's just kind of like this whole room stinks. Vipira, uh, you're fairly certain that the source of this odor is coming from behind the sarcophagus somewhere. This is about a 25 by 25 foot room. I'm going to go to the bottom corner uh, to see if okay. I can like kind of peer around the sarcophagus without actually like getting in range. Get a look behind there without getting right up there. Yeah. Uh, could you please give me another perception check? That's a 20. Okay. With a 20, you can't really see anything, though it is it is very shadowy over there. You do have dark vision, but uh, that still uh, leaves dark corners uh, still, you know, harder to see in than, uh, than well-lit areas. Doesn't Thelias have a... Um... Yeah, I'm yeah. way over here, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, but doesn't that, he have like, like behind, a lantern? Behind that would be very much in shadow right now from where he's standing. He would need to come over and bring the light over there if you wanted some more light there. I'm more like thinking like my... I, I don't know if this is like in the mechanics, but like between Dude, a your lantern... your perception check is not high enough. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, in that case, I just uh, look on uh, and see what Thelias does with it. Elias, what do you do? Well, I smell the stank and I want to leave, so I'm going to take my cursory perception check, see if there's uh, a door out of here, right? That's what we're looking for is an exit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll get close enough to so that I can see, is there a door on any of these walls? I wouldn't get any closer than I need to, but I'd do like a pass around the room looking for doors, you know, sure, and a way out. So let me uh, let me put and you now, right here. Real quick, if yep, if there was something particularly interesting, I might like lean in and take a closer look. Like if this, uh, you know, coffin or whatever I'm looking at here was like particularly intricate, or was the source of the smell, or you know what I mean. Yeah. If there was something interesting, I would definitely look at it. Oh, I yeah. I I do alert you, uh, Elias. It smells like it's coming from the sarcophagus. I can smell it. Oh, God. So you're you're walking around trying to find anything interesting in here, and you get to pretty much the eastern end of the room, and uh, this, the odor is stronger than ever. Too late for you to react. You hear a strange hissing sound. Better not be a snake. <laughs> and a creature reveals itself that was kind of coiled up in the back... In, in like the small space between the sarcophagus and the wall and you see this serpentine creature uh, seemingly made of bones and it rears up like a snake and it takes a uh, it takes a snap at you yeah let's see it get through my shovel which is totally armed and ready to go so that is 13 versus your flat footed AC oh no flat footed that's the bad one uh nope oh wait this is with armor I don't have my armor on huh Correct. So what is it? Just just the ten then? Yeah, I think so. Plus deck. Wow. No, he's flat footed. Oh yeah, so yeah. Oh yeah, just the ten. Perfect. Alright, so that's gonna hit. And you're gonna take seven points of damage from its bite. Oh my god. 
and I'm going to need a reflex save. That's a five. All right. So this uh, this snake uh, made of bones uh, rears up, and it takes a, a wicked bite out of your arm, dealing seven points of damage. And uh, as it bites down, this slurry of sticky, slimy material bursts out of its mouth, and you find yourself entangled in this uh, in this sticky substance. Uh, uh, which arm did it bite me? My lantern arm or my shovel arm? Probably your lantern arm, since that's what you would have been holding out in front of you to see better. That makes sense. Uh, so... Uh, you are entangled, as if you got hit with a tanglefoot bag. So the entangled <laughs> condition, you take a minus two penalty on attack rolls, and you uh, have a minus four penalty on your dexterity. Oh, that's automatic. Uh, the reflex save is to be glued to the floor, unable to move. Uh, so you are, you're not like prone or anything, but you are stuck to the floor and you cannot move. You can break free from this uh, material with a DC 17 strength check, or by dealing 15 points of damage to the glue with a slashing weapon. So I'm here forever now. Just leave me. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do either of those. Here lies. Here stands the Elias. <laughs> and loved adventure of one episode. <laughs> <laughs> and while you are entangled by this uh, slurry, uh, by this slurry, uh, you are also sickened. Oh my god. No, so sick is there ass. anything else you want to add there? Sicken gives you, lose you a, a level. Sicken gives you a minus two penalty to basically every d20 roll that you make. Uh, so that's uh, if you're keeping track, that's a minus four on your attack rolls. Yeah, I am keeping uh, track. Okay, good. Uh, so now I'd like everybody to give me initiative rolls. All right, Thalias. twelve. Okay, uh, Rogiar. Uh, twenty-two. Holy shit! Not twenty. That initiative. Vipira. A 17. Father Crow. 16. And Uhtred. Uh, 12. Could you give me a uh, d20 roll, please? 19. Ooh. I'm going to need another one, please. 17. You can't keep me down. All right, then up first is Rogiar. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but I but I think Rogiar and the others probably hear some sort of uh, shout in, of pain or distress coming from this room oh yeah big time i just lost half of my health and now i'm glued to the floor so i'm yelling uh all kinds of shit at them all right very good snake oh god it's on me (laughs) (laughs) uh so it's your turn uh rogiar what do you do well fighting every instinct that his body is telling him rogiar is going to step uh, about 20 feet forward so that he can see into the uh, into the room where Thalias and Vipera went. Can I see the thing, you know, attacking uh, Thalias from here? Kind of. It's it, it's still in its hidey hole. Uh, so it, in addition to firing into melee, you'd also have to deal with its cover bonus to AC. Then I will, from here, just ready an attack on the creature if it comes out of, out of hiding. Okay, that brings us to Vipira. Oh, Vipira absolutely does not want to get involved with, with this. Anything skeletal, she's like, eh, that's not my style. I've got bad news for you, Vipira. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. The I'll undead be fine. campaign might have skeletons. Just go on without me. <laughs> Leave me here with the snake. I guess uh, Vipira runs up and 
she's diagonal to him uh, and she's gonna take a couple of swipes knowing that there's gonna be absolutely no damage done you can take one swipe one swipe all right 22 to hit that hits uh, for five damage uh, as with the skeleton in the other room uh, all of your damage seems to just kind of skate right off of this thing's bony this thing's bony hide am I seeing like a like you you said that before like there's like a red spot uh, like inside uh, these skeletons is there like a red spot that I'm seeing like that like is clearly another one of those like demonic figures give me a perception check uh 23 wow you are positive that there is no ostavite controlling this creature Ugh. all right that's gonna be uh vipir's turn yeah it will be uh father crow do i know what this thing is uh anybody who wants to can give me a knowledge arcana check i got a five hey i'm pretty close to it do i get a bonus <laughs> you have first-hand no. experience with it now Okay, Uhtred, uh, some you, you probably aren't aren't won't be able to identify this creature until your turn when you can move and get a better look at it. But I'll just tell you now, you know that this thing is a bone cobra. It is a variant of a construct called an iron cobra. Iron cobras are meant to be like guardians, uh, and they are not living creatures. They are their constructs are artificial artificial creatures. Uh, bone cobras are also constructs, but they are instead of iron, they're made out of bones, and that actually makes them a little less uh, tough than iron cobras. So what you're fighting is like a lesser variant of an iron cobra, and you can hey. ask you can ask two questions about a bone cobra. Doesn't feel very lesser from here, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have any dr? Yes, you know that it has DR5 that is overcome by bludgeoning damage. What plane are these things usually found on? There, there, there is no specific plane that you would be more likely to find these things on. Just anybody who would have the ability and know-how on how to create these constructs would be able to do so. I feel like that would be kind of common knowledge, actually. Like If it's a construct, I wouldn't think to ask what plane a construct's from. That's fine. I can give you another question. Let's just do the HP game. Sure. 15. Uh, I think that gets you an extra $500 on Price is Right. I won both showcases. Exactly. All right. So, yeah, 15 hit points, DR5 bludgeoning. What are you guys going to do? I believe it is still Father Crow's turn. Father Crow is going to run up right next to Thelias. Okay. I guess I'll have to save you again. You can't die yet. And uh, now, real quick, was it... What were the... You mentioned the DCs on the Entangle stuff. Uh, to get out, you can either make a DC 17 strength check, or you can deal 15 slashing damage to the goo. I'm going to slash at it with my sword. Okay. Uh, you do not need to make an attack roll. Uh, please just roll damage. Five damage. All right. Uh, Thalias, you are one third of the way out. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so, up next, we've got Uhtred. Well, I'm a mile and a half away from all of this. <laughs> yeah, you are. I mean, I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to do anything when I get there, so I, I kind of go at normal speed. I, I have, like, a slightly brisk walk, right? <laughs> okay. Like, 
I need to get somewhere quick, but I'm not quite into jog mode yet. Like I got time. It's a jaunty shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> and and I definitely have my my hips or my hands right on my hips. Like Ooh, kind of the jaunty swivel. Yeah, kind of annoyed. And as I go past as I go past Rogyar, Uchard's gonna kinda of look back at him over his shoulder and go, My point exactly. Okay. Uh, then that brings us back to the bone cobra and the bone cobra sees an unentangled uh, young lady standing right in front of it and it's going to shift its attention to her oh yeah well uh, does a does a six hit no alrighty up next is Thalias that's it Alex does a six hit (laughs) (laughs) alright time to what can I what can't I do can I not do certain things because I'm supposedly glued to this floor. You can't or... move. Yeah, you can't move. Uh, you can do everything else, anything else that you want, but you're going to have some penalties. Alright. Well, I'm going to try to attack this thing. Alright. With my shovel. 17. So 17 after your minus 4? He ticked on all the penalties on his sheet, so yeah. I should calculate everything. Damn. Alright. 17 hits. Although, oh. when I mouse over the thing, it says 16 yeah. plus 1. But yeah, I do have everything minus, toggled on. So that means your attack is probably a, a plus five, and then you're at a minus four from all your penalties. That makes sense. Oh, okay, perfect. That does make sense. Smart. For seven damage from the shovel, baby. Oof. I knew I could trust this thing. <laughs> you give it a, a hearty wallop, and you, you feel some some cracking bones under the, the blade of your shovel, but it is still moving, and it is oh. now... Uh, once again, Rogiar's turn. Uh, the creature never came out of its hidey hole. What do you do now? Now Rogiar's all alone in this big room with the dead Celadon, so he doesn't like that so much. So he, <laughs> he's going to just step uh, 10 feet forward into the into the room with everyone else, and uh, he'll do the same thing. He'll ready an attack if this thing comes out. All right. Vipira. Vipira kind of realizes that she's kind of out of her element with uh with a bony creature so she's gonna take one last slash at it and then she's gonna take a five foot step back to allow someone else in okay uh, you could take two slashes in five foot step just F- oh okay i'm gonna do that that's then. true six to a hit that will not hit a 22 to hit that will hit six damage you feel it the tiniest little bit of damage uh, make its way through. Okay. Uh, and she, A bone fleck. She's going to take that five foot step backwards uh, so that way someone else can hop in. Okie dokie. Father Crow. Uh, exasperated, I'm going to keep swinging at the goo. Okay. Three damage. All right. The goo has taken eight out of 15 points of damage to free Thalias. And then... And then I'm gonna step northward, just take a five foot step, put myself a little bit further away from Snake Thing. <laughs> okay. Up next is Utrid. Ooh, this, I guess I'll try and hit this thing, but I have the same basic problem Vipira has, where I don't lack do of bludgeoning blood. damage. Yeah. Yeah, the one person who has bludgeoning is like kind of caught up right now. Uh, that'd be a ten. That does not hit. And then if it did, it would only been two anyways. Okay. Uh, it's the Cobra's turn, and it sees a fresh new victim to take a snap at. 
That's going to bite Uhtred. That is a 19 to hit. Yep. So, Uhtred, you take four points of damage from this creature's bite. Now I need a reflex save. Ten. So, Uhtred, uh, you you get bit by this bone cobra, and uh, you, like Thalias, get covered in this entangling slurry. You're entangled and sickened, and you cannot move from the square you're in. Thalias. Time to put down this boner once and for all. Shovel time. Do you bludgeon oh, no. or <laughs> Is that a natural oh, no. one? It is a natural one. Roll to confirm. I don't want to. <laughs> Ten. That confirms. With a melee attack. Oh, boy. Um, oh, for the audience, whenever we roll a critical fumble or a critical hit, we confirm it. And on a confirmation, we have uh, cards that give special effects based on the type of attack they're using. So because Thalias just critically fumbled with a melee attack, he, t- he is going to suffer the... Uh, penalty called off balance. You take a minus four penalty on all attack rolls for one round. <laughs> so Thalias is now at a minus eight penalty on you attack rolls. me right now. It's you like he's me? stuck in his snow boots on the mountain for the first time and he just can't wiggle out of the way. Oh my he's God. Fallen, he's fallen. <laughs> all right. Uh, very good. Rogiar, you're up. This thing has still not come out of its hidey hole. Uh, all right. Now, I don't know if Rogiard even consider this, but I'll just tell you, uh, you can like climb up and stand on top of the sarcophagus. Like, yeah, right I'll here. tell you, I was, I was thinking of that, but uh, that's a little too close to the action for what Rogiard wants to do. Sure, sure. So what Rogiard is going to do is he's going to move into the uh, northeast corner of the room. So he's standing kind of you know behind... Elias, and then he will, uh, you know, just kind of reach around and, and shoot a blast at this thing. Okay. So you're still shooting and you're still firing into melee, but it does not have cover. Okay. I will take it. Oh, that's a natural 20. Holy shit. Oh. Roll to confirm. Uh, the confirmation with the penalty is going to be an 8. Oh, that does not confirm. But that is still going to be 11 damage. Holy shit, and the air blast, correct me if I'm wrong, the air blast is bludgeoning damage, correct? It is indeed. Then Rogyar's blast of air just shears away the uh, all of the bones that this creature is made of, and the bone cobra just crumbles in the uh, in the gale force wind that came from Rogyar's hands. Friggin' sweet. I grab Thalias' arm, and I say, don't you go dying. I need you. I'm going to finish cracking open that goo. Sure. It might take you one to three more swings, but you eventually get it. And as soon as uh, you are no longer entangled, Thalias, uh, the sickened condition also goes away. Awesome. I was like, Uhtred's also entangled over there, but I don't have any way to help him out. <laughs> I, I have a dagger, so I'll start cutting myself out. Okay. Anybody helping Uhtred? Or th- oh, I'm going to help dangerous- her- yeah, I'm going to try to start uh, ripping apart Uhtred's uh, goop. Well, once, uh, so Uhtred uh, takes, you know, one one to three rounds of Uhtred and Vipira slashing at the goop, but Uhtred is also freed with no, uh, with no issues. So, yeah, you guys are now in this room that has this sarcophagus that may or may not contain Irvin Roslar. What do you do? 
Detect magic. I drink a Cure Light Wound potion real quick. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Don't fuck it up. <laughs> oh, no. Alex, why'd you have to say something? You're the worst. Um, Use a hero point. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I heal two damage. Okay. Two. 1d8 <laughs> plus one. Two. Does anything detect as magic in the room? Other than my torches? Uh, it does not. No. Does this look like an actual coffin, or is it like the uh, that one that was just like a stone carved? It looks like an actual coffin. I'm very conflicted right now. <laughs> Do you think he's in there? I who? Rustler? I could it actually be him? I, I, well, it might help answer what plane we're on. I correct. Father Crow. That's that's a good point. Like that would that would help answer some things, I guess. Uh, I almost hope it's. Is not there. I don't want to be known as Uhtred Disturber of Rossler's Slumber. I start pulling off the, uh, I start trying to pull off the, uh, the cover. I, uh, it's a cover. I stop you, uh, weekly, and I say, uh, we mustn't defile this grave without doing it very carefully. There might be snakes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but. If Rossler's buried with a weapon or some sort of uh, item that might help us out here, I would love to know. So please, can we uh, open up the coffin here? That's a good point. He could have like some kind of key or something that we need to get out. Oh, why don't you hand over? I don't that like crossbar? this, but uh, I'm in no I'm in no condition to stop you. Hey, anybody who wants to open the sarcophagus, give me a strength check. And I will add that this sarcophagus looks a fair bit heftier than the ones that you all woke awoke in. Uh, Rogier got a 15 to attempt it. Hey, so did Uhtred. Okay. Uh, with Uhtred and Rogier assisting each other, that's still not quite enough to heft it up. Anybody else? Uh, instead of helping, I'm going to do some praying to Shaylin to make sure this is all, you know, totally cool with her. Perfect. Our one yeah, strength yeah. character doesn't help with a few prays. I'm a bit enfeebled still, but you know. Yeah. Once uh, I get the AOK from the old god, I'll I'll come in and help. I mean, she's not going to answer you, but as long as you're not destroying this sarcophagus, you're pretty sure that she would be fine with it. That's the answer I was looking for. Thank you, Shaylin. Is Ro- <laughs> <laughs> hangs up. Damn it. Hangs up phone. Is Rogar using the crowbar? If I think that would help, then yeah, Rogar would be using the crowbar. Sure, yeah, that'd give you a plus two on your strength check. So that's a 17 for Rogier. And with all of my paladin might, Thalias has a 22 to contribute. Then Thalias comes up and he just lifts the coffin up with uh, with Vipira, Uhtred, and Rogier hanging off of it. <laughs> uh, so the, cof- the sarcophagus lid is removed. How's that stank? Is it even more stanky with the lid off or what? It's not. In fact, the sarcophagus is empty. Ah, shit. The interior of the lid is carved with a slender, angelic woman with a benevolent gaze surrounded by clouds looking down as though from a great height. Words around the image read, O Erasne, the Red Crusader, watch over my eternal rest. And then there's kind of a a holster fastened fastened onto the image of Erasne, who you're all sure that's who that's supposed to be, where her where her hand is as though she's holding uh, the item that is in the holster and the item looks like a magical potion. Can I roll spellcraft on it? Is he in there? I start walking over to Peer. No, it's appear empty. to be him. Huh. 
Anybody who wants to can give me a spellcraft check while detecting magic to identify this potion. Mm, an 11. Uh, Ushard, you do not know what this potion is, but it seems to be from the Conjuration School. I'm going to reach down and pick it up and kind of go, no idea what this potion might be. Father, do you have any ideas? And I'll hand it across the sarcophagus to Father Crow to take it. Is there any markings on it? It is a small, clear bottle with a dark blue liquid inside. I'll pop it open and give it a sniff. What does it smell like? Isn't there something where like, you can give like a little taste to a potion to give yourself a bonus without actually getting the benefits of it or something? Yeah, I'm yeah, looking Rub it right on your now. gums a little bit. Because yeah, I'm, I'm ready to do that. I'm starting with a sniff. You have to you have to obey the five S's. You have to you have to swirl, then you have to see, looking for the legs that slip. it leaves. Then you gotta sip sniff. slide. No, you sniff. <laughs> you sniff before you sip. Oh shit, damn it. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> my bouginess is my bouginess has gotten rusty. <laughs> what are you drinking? We'll have a cigar and think about your mistakes. <laughs> uh yeah, uh Father Crow, give me a spellcraft check out of minus two to try to identify this potion uh, through through smell and perhaps sipping. 17. Uh, you know that it is a potion of cure moderate wounds. That is 1d8 plus 3. Uh, or two, I have good news for you. 2d8 plus 3. This seems to be a, a healing potion. I hand it back. A reasonably potent one, too. Yeah, we're going to need those, something tells me. Just then, seemingly in response to Thalai saying, we're going to need those. Uh, you all hear a strange sound echoing off of the walls from the other room. You would all be very familiar with this sound, so I won't even be coy about it. It's, it, it's like... Sounds like the... the wet cl- clock. It sounds like a... The, <laughs> it sounds like the clomping of horse hooves on stone floor. And you're, you're all able to see into the, into the room that you came from, and you see... A horrifying skeletal creature coming from the room uh, to the southeast of the large room that you came from. So it's to your southwest right now. It, it seems to be a horse, but it, it looks it looks kind of weird. Like the neck is way too short. One of its legs is connected in the wrong spot, and it just slowly starts clopping out of the Ugh. room. It's an osteoid uh, horse. Perhaps, and it, if nobody does anything about it, it it slowly moves to the north, then it moves to the north again, and... Uh, I'm going to start shooting at this thing. Okay, so it it stops kind of in the middle of the room, and its head doesn't turn to look at you. Instead, its entire body just kind of pivots and is now facing uh, the east towards you, and you just hear this... coming from somewhere within the bones. And Rogyar, I'll go ahead and give you a surprise action, a surprise round, because it, it was kind of taking its time with that setup. Okay. All right. So with that, I will five-foot step to stand in front of Elias. Oh, thank you. And uh, shoot at it. And that is a natural one. Oh, no. But that is an 18 to confirm. That does not confirm. So, at this point, I'd like everybody to roll initiative again. Rogiar. Uh, Rogiar had a 20. Okay. Thalias. 17. Vipira. A 9. Father Crow. An 11. 
and Uhtred. 14. Okay. Up first is Rogiar. Okay. Yeah. After shooting wide with the last blast of air, Rogiar like just shoots, just throws up his hand and, and tries again. He's like, Abadar's grace, what is this fucking place? Oh, and that's a natural 20. Holy shit. Oh, baby. Roll to confirm. And the confirmation is an 11 against this thing's flat-footed AC. Against this flat-footed AC, an 11 will confirm. Yeah. <laughs> um, although. Oh, because even though it's it's like undead, the, I think the Ostevite might technically make it a construct, which makes it immune to crits. Yeah, I was just uh, confirming that. All right, so, so yeah, if, you uh, yeah, you hit it for the normal damage. considered a construct, then, yeah. It is. So, confirmation so, did not matter, but I dealt 12 bludgeoning damage to the skeletal horse monstrosity. That's very good. In fact, with 12 points of damage, you just annihilate <laughs> that horse skeleton. Oh! Leaving behind the Ostevite on the floor. Yeah. Friggin' sniper. Rogyar. <laughs> Rogyar! How are you doing this? I have no idea. Good shot. All right, well, up next is Thalias. This place is defiled and soiled with evil. I charge in and shovel this thing. Uh, you can't charge from where you are, but you can just move up. I don't charge the mechanic charge. I valiantly enter squares. You sashay your way up to that Ostafite. Valiant, valiantly <laughs> rush, but sashay also works. <laughs> All right, give me a attack roll. 18. 18 will hit. All right, seven damage. Bludgeon this thing right into the stone ground underneath it. Whew. I just, Back I love, place. I love the mental image I have every time Thalias swings at a creature smaller than himself, which, except for this horse, has been literally every creature you guys have fought, where he just <laughs> like like a fucking like mallet, he just, like, the shovel just comes straight down. It, yep. it reminds me of, like, a cartoon about a gardener who's trying to kill this fucking mole in his garden yeah. or something. Like, he just needs booties on and a little poncho. And I just, it's so good. I also like the idea of the thwack that these things make when he crunches them. Yeah, yes. like, the shovel comes down, and the Ossifite is hidden from sight at the, the apex of the shovel's slam. When the shovel comes back up, the Ossifite is, like, hanging in midair, frozen in place, like, go! Oh! <laughs> Little stars orbiting around its head. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our horror campaign. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, uh, spooky. That's nice. right. All right. So up now is Uhtred. So now that I'm free from this goop, Uhtred's going to uh, walk down the steps in front of the tomb and out back into the first room right up alongside the Lias and and he'll take a mighty lunge with his dagger at this Ostevite. Okay. With a seven. <laughs> seven will not hit. And it is now Father Crow's turn. Father Crow is going to move out of that room next to the Lias. Okay. And ready in action if, uh, if the skittering bug comes near me, I'm going to swing at it with my short sword. Okie dokie. Uh, it is now Vipira's turn. Vipira is gonna... I don't think she can make it there in one move, so... Yeah, so uh, Vipira kind of runs back into the other room, kind of not being able to see what was happening. Um, everybody was kind of running in, was running into the other room. Uh, Vipira came around, 
and uh, saw the Ostevite, and uh, she ended up kind of running around. Uh, is so now you're... flanking with uh, uh, Rogier. With Uhtred. Oh, wait. Uhtred. Sorry. Very good. Uh, and it is now the Ostevite's turn. The Ostevite is going to attempt to move into Thalias's space in order to attack him. Uh, and that movement is going to provoke from Vipera, Uhtred, and Thalias. Yes, yes, very good. Uh, actually, you know what? He's going to try to make an acrobatics check to try to make take this movement without provoking. That's a nine, so it's going to provoke. All right, so anyone who wants to make an attack of opportunity. Uh, I rolled a ten. I'm guessing that misses. That does miss. Uh, you're flanking with me, so twelve. Twelve. Ah, 12 also misses. The, the length of this dagger is just not long enough. 15 for Vipira. Yeah, 15 for Thalias as well. Oh. A couple of 15 bros over here. Thalias and Vipira will hit. Why don't we do Vipira first? Vipira does 7 damage. Oh, and Oof. she gets the... Uh, You're flanking, so sneak attack. Sneak attack. Yep. Plus 2. Okay. So Vipira, you managed to kill the Ostevite with that damage. Should have been Thalias. Oh. Okay, combat is over again. I think I think it might be best if, for better or worse, we all try to stick close together, wandering around. I don't... Yes? Yep. What the fuck was that? That's a good idea. I mean, I know what... I don't disagree. However, I believe standing around in one place is also going to put us in danger, so... I'm not saying we set up a shop. Let's leave. That's the smartest thing I've heard someone say since we got here. So where do you leave to? There are still three exits to this large room that you haven't gone in yet. I don't want to pick again. I'll I'll defer to someone else. You know, I had my pick. Someone else picks. We all rotate who gets uh, bit by a snake. <laughs> all right. Okay. I say we... I mean, I'll still go first, right? I'll lead, but also my judgment is uh, a bit clouded in the, um, in the stank here. Sure. I say we uh, head down the second door on the right. Well, okay. Down is not a direction. Down is the floor. South. Get okay. digging. <laughs> if only we had a shovel. <laughs> yeah, Elias, down we go. <laughs> All right, so there are two there are two exits to this room to the south. Which one do you uh, want to go to? South right, the second one. So start you're go start to the... with where that horse came from. All right, so the southeast exit. And uh, Vipira will uh, lead this one. Okay, so this is the exit that has the archway that reads, Loyal Abdel, support thy master always. The stone walls of this room are carved to resemble an airy stable with a large stone box at the southern end. The lid of the box is cracked and corroded as though from powerful acid. An illustration of a lean regal stallion and the words, No greater friend hath a man than his loyal steed, are chiseled into the stone above the box. I uh, I look back at the heap of noble steed <laughs> on the ground. Yeah, it would seem that strangely, Roslar's own horse was interred in this, in this crypt, but Roslar is nowhere to be seen. We might still be on the material plane then. What do you guys do? There's a there's a big old box right here. Nah. Do we Pro open this one too? Probably not a bone cobra in this room. I open it. All right. All right, in we go. I walk up with the crowbar. So you approach this large box and you actually see that uh, it is already opened. And inside is uh, inside the box, 
there are some large horse bones, but like only like a few that probably should have been part of that horse skeleton that you <laughs> fought. <laughs> oh my god. You're describing it, talking about how it shambles in, looking terrible. We found the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's almost like these things don't actually know what a horse is exactly supposed to look like. Kind of like how uh, when we dig up dinosaur bones, we just totally guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, so you look in the box and uh, you see uh, some silver and jade adornments resting within the remnants of a decayed bridle. Anyone who wants to can make an appraisal check. Yeah, Rogier got like a, an eight with a, the dwarven racial bonus on a natural one. Okay. Uhtred got a 17. Vipiri got a 15. However, oh, I'm being affected by that weird thing that's happening in the background. Uh, that's true. Oh, yeah, uh, I forgot about Thelias, that. Thalias, Rogyar, and Vipira each have a minus four. On... I don't have a I don't have a penalty. Oh, sorry. Uh, Thalias, Vipira, and Father Crow have a minus four on all in mental skill and ability checks, and Uhtred has a minus two. Well, you can take that five I rolled and make it a one. Perfect. Thanks. All right, so Uhtred and Vipira, you would both know that the silver and jade here would total about 65 gold pieces. Looks like about 65 gold pieces worth of silver and jewelry. Yeah, I don't mind carrying that. Uh, you guys know I have it, so... Pocket full of Yeah, I start uh, <laughs> stuffing my pockets. All right, so uh, could I get a perception check, please? Keeping our minus fours and minus twos in mind. 20 for Crow. Nice. Five for Uhtred. 13 for Vibhira. Okay. Uh, Father Crow, while everybody's kind of appraising uh, the silver and jade, you look over and you notice that there is a uh, there's a small hole in the eastern wall of this room. Uh, there's a... And I start pointing over in that corner. There's a, a hole over there. It is about one foot wide. If uh, Anybody who goes over and peers into it whether with dark vision or a light source, and the hole seems to uh, the hole seems to kind of like worm its way to the east, to the southeast, and eventually you can't really see any farther just from the twists and turns of it. It is possible that the the small sized ostavites or the tiny sized ostavites and the small sized bone cobra that you've encountered uh, may have burrowed into the crypt from this hole. Do we want to move uh, that stone uh, up against this hole here? If it'll stop sure. more of those things around, I'm I'm all for it. Sounds good to me. I'll help. Okay. Uh, if you guys want to, this this giant metal box is, uh, or this giant stone box is certainly not light, but anybody who wants to can put their back into it and try to push it up against the hole. Uh, I was just check. thinking about the. I was just thinking about the top for it, but if we want to do the firebox, oh. yeah, that's probably <laughs> more uh, <laughs> more feasible. Yeah, <laughs> I got a two, sixteen, thirteen, ooh, sixteen. Yeah, you're not positive if this giant stone box is actually movable or not, but the the lid to it is certainly something that you can uh, try to pin up 
against uh, this hole in the wall and try to prevent anything from entering. Well, that's what we do. Okay. (laughs) And now what do you do? Uh, There's no other exits to this room besides this uh, artificially made hole. So the only thing that you can do is go back out into the large room with the dead Celadon. And you now have two exits that you haven't tried yet. One to the northeast and one to the southwest. To the northeast. It's like we're playing Clue. How fun. (laughs) Going from room to room. Okay. Uh, This is the room that had the archway that reads, At my right hand... Peace for years of righteous labors. Uh, I like this room. Being a right-hand man kind of man. That's true. So does that ring a bell at all to me about the legend of Rosler? Like, who would his right-hand man be? Oh, great question. Great question from the audience. (laughs) (laughs) You can roll knowledge history. Crow got a 16. Uchard got a 12. Uh, no specific person comes to mind. The most famous of Roslar's, anyth- anything that would come to mind of Roslar's right-hand man would collectively have been the Red Shrikes. Uh, it's possible that this room may have been for any collection of loyal servants or retainers. I'm not sure who exactly Roslar's right-hand man would be. It might be the Shrikes. This could be another tomb like for his horse filled with all oh, more skeletons we better tread lightly <laughs> then <laughs> maybe well every skeleton in this fucking place has been a bad time for us all right so you uh you peer in several long stone slabs line the walls of this room like shelves the shelves are pitted with acid and contain scraps of old cloth a few chunks of bone litter the floor but otherwise, no skeletons can be seen, or bones of any kind. How about detect magic? You are detecting a magical aura in this room. Yeah, I told you I'd get you. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah, got me. Can't hide from me you forever. My trap. <laughs> you tricky DM, you. And the source? If you say my goddamn torch, though. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. I should have done that with the last room. Uh, no, on the uh, the westernmost shelf is where you're detecting this magical aura. It takes you three rounds with the detect with the detect magic spell uh, for you to be able to pinpoint the location of any magical auras. But after your uh, third round of detecting, uh, you pin it down to that western shelf, uh, and you see that there is a gold ring, uh, and this is like kind of mixed in with the scattered remains of old cloth and bones but you see glinting in the light of your dancing lights a gold ring and you also see uh what looks like uh like a single bead uh and the bead seems to be the source of the magical aura can i roll spellcraft on it sure i hope you get it because i don't want to taste it uh 15 (laughs) (laughs) but the and the ring doesn't detect isn't as magical it does not all right well i'll put that that shit on my finger so with a 15 you're uh you're not quite able to identify the properties of this uh of this bead but uh it seems to have the enchantment 
of the enchantment school. Uh, now, before you grab the ring, give me a perception check. Everyone or just Uhtred? Yeah, everybody. 11. Well, uh, anybody who would have gone in this room. Oh, I would have been the first one in. I would have because I'm worried about splitting up. Yeah, sure. I would have been in there for sure. Okay. Yeah, same. Uh, so that's a 25 for Rogier. Yep. 21 for Crow. And this is with your minus four, Father Crow? Minus four for Crow. <laughs> 17. So yeah, 17. Uhtred? Nine. Okay, so Rogiar, you uh look you actually notice that uh with the the numerous damages to these shelves that are very evident, like they're all these shelves are pitted from, from some sort of acid spray. Like who knows what that could have been from. But uh <laughs> I do. Rogiar, you're able to see uh that that these shelves are extremely precarious. And anybody who might disturb them in any way, such as touching them to remove something from them, uh, is going to risk the shelf collapsing onto them. And these are large stone slabs. So, yeah, seeing that, I would definitely call out to, to Uhtred, like, uh, Hey, lad, be careful with that. The uh, These shelves look like they're about to collapse at any moment. Don't, uh, I, I, I wouldn't go rummaging around too much here gonna get a, a face full of stone if you do is there anything i can pick up and take like a step back and just knock the shelf down so then we can retrieve the stuff on it you mean like a shovel mm, i don't want to necessarily <laughs> throw anything we want at it in case the shelf crushes it does like, anyone have a mage hand or maybe uh, an not air prepared. blast is there any rocks around i pick up one of the bones sure and, uh, uh there's there's several bones and other like just large chunks of stone that have already fallen apart from other shelves on the floor. Let's just start hucking. Yeah, yeah and we'll you guys just... it, it might take you a few minutes but eventually the stone shelf collapses. I'll retrieve the ring and the bead <laughs> and then uh, come back to kind of like the group here and uh, with the bead like on my palm with my hand open I'll just be like anybody have any idea what this might be? It's detecting is magical. Ah, it looks like a bead. Uh, it's yeah. more than just a bead. I can feel it. But I, I can't pinpoint exactly what it might be. I've seen this before. Have you now? Well, I know a what bead. I know what it's not. It's not an exit. So let's let's <laughs> move on. But it might be useful. Uh, Hold on to it, I think. Uh, all right. I all right. If nobody wants to make a spellcraft, I guess I'll just put it in my pocket. Very good. And I do put the gold ring on my finger because, like, you know, blink, blank. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so you step back out into the large room with the dead Celadon, and there remains one exit that you have not yet gone into. Well, we're out of options. <laughs> Rigger, again. Time to go back <laughs> into our coffins. All right. One, one way left, guys. Let's go. Single file. Someone go first. Uh, I go first, pretending like it was me who, who knew this the whole time. <laughs> You're like standing over there like, yes, the the exit, guys. Come on. The exit that's always <laughs> been here. <laughs> All right. So you guys uh, start making your way down this hallway. And as soon as you go through this, go through the archway, uh, you spot a a faint glow coming from just around the corner that looks like a little alcove, kind of like the one that you passed before you entered the Celadon room for the first time. And you grow closer and closer to this glow, 
and you peer around the corner. And we'll find out what that is next week on the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. All right, we oh, glow boys. See ya. God. See I hope ya. It's glow sticks. Oh, see ya. See ya.